This show is supported by State Farm. You have insurance for your home, your health, and your car. Why don't you have insurance for your small business? So many small business owners think they don't need or don't even know about small business insurance. Protecting a source of revenue is one thing, but so is protecting all of your hard work and your team members. State Farm agents are all small business owners too, so they know how to help small business owners choose personalized policies that fit their budgets. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Have you ever lived in a haunted apartment? It's not as fun as it might sound. This is Darkness Prevails, the place to share your true stories with the world. Because this world is a strange one. Apartments are most people's first places on their own. They're the in-between place when money gets tight. But just because you can't afford an overpriced mortgage, it doesn't mean you should have to risk your life just by living in that old, creepy apartment complex. So enjoy these allegedly true apartment scary stories. Before we begin, just remember, you can send your stories to us with the links in the description. We're currently looking for fast food stories and Christmas stories. Now, here are the first five comments of the last video. Ned Flanders is back and says, been waiting for this notification and dope intro. Thanks, I like that intro as well. WM Sybil says, thanks. You're welcome. Estefan Ramos says, yeet. I'm glad you're so excited. Matthias Volley says, yes, again on time, thank you. Thank you for being on time. And McNutt007 says, yet another banger of a video. Well, that username is banging as well. Thank you. Now, let's get on to those stories. Number one, The Landlady. Submitted by Tim P. The story I'm about to share with you sounds like some sort of campfire story, some twist on an urban legend or something. At least, that's how it seems whenever I think about it, whenever I share the story with someone else. I can assure you, however, that it is not. This happened to me around 16 or 17 years ago. I was 18 or 19 back then. I can't remember exactly what age I was, but it was sometime around those ages. I was staying with a friend of mine at his apartment which is in a small old building in the downtown area of the small town I grew up in. Next door was a slightly larger, but even older apartment building, and both were owned and operated by the same people. One day, my friend had to take his rent money to his landlady, who lived in the building next door. And on that occasion, he had asked me to join him. I can't remember why. Maybe he wanted to introduce me to her so I decided to join along. The building she lived in was three stories with small businesses on the ground level and apartments on the upper levels. Her apartment was easy to find because it was the first door on the right as you enter the second floor. And there was a sign on the door that read, Manager. My friend knocked on the door and we were greeted by an older man, probably in his 60s. He was thin maybe five foot nine, 
had balding gray hair and was somewhat gaunt, like he'd worked hard for too many years and it had taken its toll. Apparently, he was a close friend of the landlady. He also worked as a maintenance man in the building. Anyway, we were invited in and shown to the living room where the landlady greeted us and asked us to sit down. She was a fairly large woman with short, whitish blonde hair, pale skin, and dark circles around her eyes. She seemed quite healthy, but there was something sickly about her face. I remember thinking it rather strange that she looked so ill, but she spoke and moved like someone in perfect health. The apartment itself was clean, though somewhat cluttered. The furnishings were clearly old, but still in good condition, and the place was decorated with lots of antiques and knickknacks, all of which appeared a little dusty, as if the place hadn't been cleaned or even lived in for a while. And though I couldn't determine exactly why, something about the atmosphere there just felt off. Despite all of this, the landlady was a friendly woman, and we all chatted for about 20 minutes after my friend gave her his rent money, though I can't recall what we talked about. Then we left, and the whole thing began to fade from my memory, for a while at least. Approximately one year later, after my friend had moved away and we'd lost touch, I was looking for an apartment. I suddenly remembered those buildings and the pleasant conversation I'd had with the landlady, and I decided to go there and find out if she had any apartments for rent. I could remember exactly which apartment she lived in, because like I said before, it was the first one on the right when you entered the second floor, pretty easy to recall. When I got there, however, there was no manager sign on the door. I knocked anyway and got no answer. I waited a moment, then knocked again, but still nothing. I thought perhaps she was out or maybe she had moved, so I decided to walk around and see if there was a manager sign on any of the other doors. As I made my way down the hall, I noticed an open door to an apartment that appeared empty, and there was a woman inside vacuuming. I figured she might know where the landlady was, so I knocked on the open door and waved as the woman looked up at me. She turned off her vacuum, walked to the door and pleasantly asked, can I help you with something? I remember being struck with the thought that this woman looked like a much younger, much smaller version of the landlady. She too had short blonde hair, cut in the same style as the landlady's had been. She looked healthier though, and not just because she was thin, where the landlady had been quite large, but her complexion was simply healthier looking. I explained to her that I was looking for the landlady because I was interested in possibly renting an apartment. She then informed me that she was in fact the landlady and that the apartment we were currently standing in the doorway of was the only apartment available. This didn't really faze me. I mean, it had been a year and I figured the building was simply under new management. She showed me around the apartment and we spoke for a minute about what I needed to do to apply. And though I could have just ended the conversation there, 
I for some reason felt compelled to ask about the previous landlady, the one I'd met a year ago. At this, the woman looked confused. Um, I've managed this building for over four years, she said. Now I was confused. Though there was a resemblance, there was no way that this was the same woman I'd met before. She was far too young. So I told her that I'd visited the landlady a year ago, and I pointed to her old apartment. She shook her head and assured me that that wasn't possible. She then informed me that that had once been her mother's apartment, that her mother had indeed been the landlady, but she had passed away nearly 10 years ago. At this point, I think we both felt a chill run up our spines. I described the woman I'd met a year before and the old man who had been at her apartment. She told me I was describing her mother perfectly and the man who had been her friend too, but both were dead. They'd been dead for quite some time now. Okay, now we were both freaking out a little. So I went on to describe the apartment, and again she told me I was describing her mother's apartment in perfect detail. I spent a lot of time going over the whole thing in my head after that, but all these years later, I still can't think of any logical explanation. It's impossible that I misjudged the amount of time that had passed. It had been only one year, not 10. That's an entire generation. If it had been 10 years, then that would have made me four or five when I met the landlady, and I certainly wasn't that young. And I highly doubt the woman was joking or messing with me. I was a potential customer. Besides that, her reactions were genuine. She became visibly emotional as well, once she realized that I'd likely encountered her mother's spirit. I've come to learn that nothing in this world is certain, and it's possible that reality itself is just an illusion. So I can't say with any certainty that I encountered any lost souls or spirits or some other paranormal phenomenon, but I do know that I can't explain this experience Eerie as it was though, it never really frightened me. I mean, I probably won't rent in that apartment building, but I wouldn't be opposed to visiting again, if only to see what strange or unbelievable things might occur. Number two, Late Night Scare, submitted by Zach. That moment was easily the most terrifying moment in my life. It happened about a year ago. We lived in a small apartment complex in North Topeka with my sister, my dad, stepmom, and my German shepherd, Shiva, along with a few neighbors. There were the metalheads above us in apartment 12, Sino in apartment four, which was one apartment down from us, then some weird guy named Harold in apartment three. A few weeks before this incident, Harold walked over to our apartment and said, Rob Lowe, Rob Lowe, you got a cigarette, Rob Lowe. We laughed at the way he said it. My dad handed him a cigarette. Then the two of them sat outside of the apartment together, smoking and talking. After about half an hour of them chilling outside, 
talking about what's going on in their lives and their family's lives. Harold asked the creepiest thing. Hey, Robert, he said. I was wondering, do you think your daughter could hang out with me in my apartment sometime? Even this bothered me. Harold must have been in his 40s, and my sister was 13 at the time. The atmosphere outside changed. My father stood up, grabbed Harold and shoved him, yelling, no, get out of here, what's wrong with you? Harold walked away laughing, still puffing on his cigarette, then he glared at me in the window. A couple of years roll by. My sister is walking over to the nearby Walgreens, which is several blocks away. She was 15 then. Suddenly, Harold appeared out of nowhere and began to follow her. Harold yelled at her, saying, Hey, honey, you're looking pretty good today. Your dad said you could spend the night if you like. I got a little bit of booze too, that can be our little secret. Our neighbor Sino, who was a pretty cool guy, helped us whenever he could, and at the time he was outside drinking a beer. When he saw Harold following and harassing my sister, he dropped his beer and ran over to Harold and told him, what is your problem? Do you not know she's 15? Just stay away from her, you weirdo. I walked outside in time to catch the ending of that situation, only to see Harold's face again. He was staring at my sister's body. Now, my sister was one of those girls who didn't develop until she was 17 or 18. She looked several years younger than her age, so this disturbed me even more. The way he looked her up and down like a hungry wolf, and he smiled, smiled like he knew he was going to win one day. It chilled me to the bone. On that following Saturday night, around 12 o'clock, the scariest thing happened, and luckily my sister was at a friend's house, and my stepmom was at work. Suddenly, some man was banging on the back window, a window to the room I was sleeping in. It was like a banging and scraping sound, like he was trying to break through the thin steel window cover on the outside of the window. About 15 minutes pass, and he's back at the window trying to pry it open when he screams at me and says, where is my wife? I'm laying down under my blanket, staying still as much as I could, and my dad screams back at the man, trying to scare him off by saying, Harold, get out of here, I've called the police. But he still didn't run off, he still kept trying to break through, I told my dad to call the police, but he responded with a strong, just stay quiet, Zach. I know how to handle this. Several minutes pass, and I hear the first rip through the steel window cover, keeping him out. He's getting through bit by bit. I started crying. Moments later, my dog Sheba comes running and stands in front of me, facing the window as she growls ready to attack the man as he comes in. The noises at the window stop, and then suddenly, there's a loud crack, and we realize that he's now breaking in through the front door, and he's screaming again. Where's my wife? If you don't give me my wife, 
they won't find a single piece of you left. My dad finally gets on the phone, begins screaming at the police to hurry. 15 minutes later, the police arrive and began to question him why he was doing what he did. My dad was questioned as well, and the police said, do you have his wife? My dad responded in an angry voice, are you stupid? He's talking about my 15-year-old daughter. He, he thinks she belongs to him. He's psychotic. A few more minutes passed by. They ended up finding a crowbar, as well as some sharper tools thrown into the grass. The next day he was charged, and a few more weeks after court, we find out he ended up in a mental asylum. He apparently had a disability, and he stopped taking his medicine. They ended up letting him out only a few months later. One day, my dad was driving home from work, and he happened to pass by Harold walking down the street. Harold recognized him right away, giving him this glare and expression of pure hatred. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. Do you believe in monsters? And given the chance, would you be brave enough to track one down on your own? In June's Journey, people are the true monsters, and you can live the story yourself rather than sitting back and listening to one. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor. Or chat and play with or against other players too in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play. With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. This show is supported by State Farm. Insurance is a part of any solid financial plan. Making sure you have the important things in life covered is one of the best ways to give yourself a little breathing room when things go awry. It's important to protect not only your business, but yourself as a business owner and all current and future team members. State Farm agents know what it takes to run and protect a small business because State Farm agents are all small business owners and they live and work in your community. So they're deeply attuned to what's happening with other small businesses in your market. If you have a small business and are interested in making sure you're protected, reach out to your local State Farm agent to learn more about what you need. They'll help you find the right policy at the right price for your business. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Number three, don't trust the cute neighbor. Submitted by Cute Panda. This happened about two months ago. I'm 21 years old, and I had just asked my mom if I could move out into an apartment. She, of course, went ahead and made sure the apartment was safe, 
which it was, so she agreed and let me move in. She helped me with my moving, but my father couldn't help us because he had to have surgery and he wasn't able to lift anything heavy at the time. Thankfully, my mom and I were plenty strong enough. I met with the landlord and he gave me the key. Then he told me to keep my eye out for creepy people. My mom even bought me mace after she heard that, which is kind of like pepper spray, but more painful. The landlord told me I should meet up with some of the people who lived in the apartments, saying that most of them were very friendly people. It was my first place on my own, so I didn't have much to move in with, so the moving part was fast and easy. When I was finally alone in my apartment, I decided to take a shower. Then I would meet up with about three or four of my neighbors, who I ended up talking to during the move. So I hopped into the shower, made it a quick one, and I was dressed and ready to meet my neighbors when I suddenly heard a knock at my door. I walked to the door and opened it. I saw a man in black who was tall and probably in his 30s. I noticed he was wet, but not from taking a shower, but from swimming in a pool of some sort. I could even smell the chlorine on him. He said hi to me, said he was happy to see a young girl moving in around here. I smiled and said that I felt bad for having someone have to live near me, and we both laughed. We began to talk to each other, just talking about our interests and personal life. Eventually, I asked him if he wanted to come in, which he accepted the offer. I asked him if he wanted some coffee, which like most adults would say, he did. Now, I wasn't a coffee drinker, I preferred tea. So I made him a cup of coffee and me a cup of tea. We had some random conversations and then he said that he needed to leave, that he was getting tired of smelling the chlorine on himself. I said goodbye, then he said in a sweeter than normal voice, you know, it's nice to have a beautiful, sweet girl living in these apartments, not some old gross creep. I blushed, of course, being the shy girl that I am. Then he left. Later on, I heard a buzz from my phone that night, which startled me. I checked my phone to see that I had a follower on Facebook. I accepted it, seeing as it was the guy I'd just met. It told me his name, which I never caught while we were talking. And I also realized that I didn't remember telling him my Facebook account, or my own name for that matter. For a second there, I was weirded out. Then I simply shrugged it off, thinking I may have just forgotten in the midst of our conversation. It was pretty late by then, so I got dressed into my PJs, which were really short shorts, as well as a crop top. Then I put them in a basket and carried that down to the washer and dryers area. It was there that I noticed, let's call the guy Aaron, Aaron with shorts on and no shirt. I blushed when I saw him, and I was kinda glad to know that he was that muscular and in shape, to know that I had a friend in him, and that if I had a problem, he could help me out. I washed my clothes and noticed he was looking at me. I waved at him to say hi, and he seemed to blush back. He told me I could go back to my room, and that he wouldn't mind bringing me my clothes to me when they were ready. I happily accepted his offer and went back to my place. Several minutes later, I heard him knocking. I yelled it was open and Aaron opened the door and he walked inside. He handed me my clothes and told me that I shouldn't keep the door unlocked like that and asked me, what if it wasn't me? 
I replied with, I would scream as loud as possible and asked him what he would do. He said he'd run as fast as possible to help me. We talked for a while and he went back to his place. Then I went to bed, but something woke me up in the middle of the night. There was a moving sound in my room. It sounded like there was someone in my room with me. As my eyes widened and I slowly woke out of my sleep, I reached for my bedside lamp to see what was going on. I clicked it on and the first thing I saw was my laundry scattered about the floor. They were all over the place as if they'd exploded. Then I saw a man standing there. To my horror, I wasn't alone after all. Someone had broken in. I screamed and the man looked toward me. I couldn't see anything more than his eyes because he had a pair of my undies up against his mouth and nose, taking a disgustingly big breath in. What was wrong with this guy? He lowered the article of clothing and I could see that this was Aaron, the guy I had just met and foolishly trusted in a single day. He smiled down at me, still holding on to my garment. Then he began to approach me and he said, I know you want me. It's so obvious. Why else do you think I'm here? What? I whimpered. I barely know you. I just met you. So, what does that matter? I saw the way you looked at me. He basically snapped back at me. He pinned me down to my bed, and I screamed again. Tears flooding out of my eyes, I felt stupid. Why did I let him get so close? Why did I flirt and trust someone I barely knew? Suddenly, there were bright lights pointing at us, and a voice with authority and bass yelled, Let go of her. Get down on the ground, now. It was the cops. They arrested Aaron, and I was left horrified, shattered. I cried for the entirety of the next day, and I stayed at my parents' house for a while after that. It took a lot for me to ever go back to my apartment. If it wasn't for some random stranger that lived at that apartment complex, who had called the police when they saw someone breaking into my apartment in the middle of the night, it chills me to think about what might have happened instead. Don't trust anyone you don't know or have just met. You never know what they may be capable of. And number four, a creepy babysitting story. Submitted by Laney Trader, 2002. This happened when my stepmother and her baby had moved in with us. It was a bit over a year ago. I was babysitting both of my younger brothers while my parents were out for dinner. Back then, we lived in this one bedroom apartment in Southwest Detroit. So it was small and simple. It was a bit cramped, but we made it work somehow. Anyway, I was feeding the baby, Joseph, while my other brother was playing his video games. His name was Michael. He was playing online with some friends, so he wasn't bothering me much. Joseph was just watching Super Y on Netflix. I was sitting on the couch, texting my best friend, Bree. 
Now, there's some disturbing backstory you need to know. Before we moved here, and partially the reason why we had moved, was because of my ex-boyfriend. You see, his sister had passed away at the time, and just before that happened, I left him. It was such an emotional and traumatic time in his life, he ended up taking his own life. Ever since then, I hadn't really felt the same anymore. What I partly mean is, yeah, I was kind of depressed about it and a little shaken up. But another thing is, I never felt alone anymore. Like whenever I was in my room home alone, whenever I walked down the street by myself, I felt that there was this presence with me, something breathing down my neck. After a while of this, I thought it was shock, so I just got used to the feeling. But that wasn't the only thing. I began to hear footsteps in the halls, on the street behind me. Overall, our own apartment had began to give off this feeling. It was colder than it should have been, and my parents and siblings never seemed to notice. The night before this event, I could have sworn I'd seen a tall, male-shaped shadow running at me from down the hall, but it stopped right in front of me. Maybe it was a dream. My stepmother said it was just me hallucinating, but by God, it was so vivid and terrifying. Anyway, back to the story. I set Joseph beside me as he was eating some Cheetos puffs. Our door was locked and the bathroom door was wide open. So were the windows. It was warm outside, so I was letting the breeze in. Joseph was looking at something in the room and he was being completely silent all of a sudden. Usually, he'd babble and shove his face full of food, but he had stopped eating and just sat there staring in silence. I looked at him and I noticed the way he was staring into the corner. I followed his eyes. I didn't see anything and just shrugged it off, still thinking of how weird it was. I turned around, thinking nothing more of it, but I was startled when I heard a small tap on the window nearby. It spooked me pretty good. Before I could go and investigate, I heard rapid running footsteps from the kitchen to the living room as a breeze rushed by as if someone had just ran past me. Chills went up my spine. Then, in the matter of a quick second, all the windows in the entire apartment slammed shut. They shut so hard I was surprised that they didn't shatter and break. The bathroom door slammed shut as well. The three of us remained where we were, shocked. Michael had thrown his headphones and controller before running towards me. Joseph began to cry and scream. Honestly, I couldn't blame him. I could barely maintain my composure, trying to stay cool for them, even though I was scared more than I'd ever been. I grabbed the baby from his seat, and Michael followed. We ran behind the couch and ducked down. I tried to calm the kids down, but the fact that I was beginning to cry as well didn't help. The whole floor had shifted, and I was just about to call 911. I had to stay on the line, explain everything, and try to calm my siblings down. It was a balancing act that I could barely perform. They said the cops would be on their way, and we waited there for what felt like ages. 
All the while, something or someone was in the kitchen, scrambling about the silverware, and for a moment, it sounded like they were playing with the knives. Then they began to land at my feet as whatever it was was throwing them at me. Blades were inches from my skin and toes, inches from these helpless crying children. And that's when the police burst in. And as soon as they did, everything went silent. The strange activity stopped and the air began to get warmer. They took us to our grandparents' house and they investigated the apartment but later on they found nothing. And to this day, I still can't explain what happened. Michael doesn't remember it after all these years and neither does Joseph. He doesn't seem too phased about it. After we were able to go back home, I still felt the breathing on my neck and the eerie presence around me. I still see those shadowy figures sometimes at night my new therapist says that it's just part of my anxiety, but I disagree. I think it's the spirit of someone whose heart I broke in a time they needed me most, and I've never been more full of regret and guilt. I remember my old apartment. You could always smell the neighbors cooking from the kitchen always hear their conversations in the living room, and always smell their creations in the bathroom. I hated it, but at least it wasn't haunted. Well, as far as I knew, I was apparently lucky. As you can see, I could have been stalked by crazy people or haunted by evil spirits. Could you imagine paying rent just to keep living in a place that tormented you? No thanks. Good night. Be sure to leave a like and subscribe if you enjoyed the video and share this video with someone who needs a good spook or maybe someone who lives in an apartment themselves. Also, be sure to send us your fast food stories and Christmas stories if you want to appear in a future video. Links are in the description. Now, stay safe out there and stay creepy. Thanks to State Farm for supporting this show and helping our listeners protect their businesses and lives. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today.